the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we join senior Pastor Will Ramirez in a study of the book of Numbers. The nation of Israel was being prepared to enter into the land promised to their forefathers. After wandering in the desert wilderness for 38 years, they were finally going to move forward into all that God had for them. God drew them near to himself by giving them instructions for various offerings and sacrifices so that they could worship him. They recognized that he was holy and entirely different from all other gods. God told the Israelites to go out and war against the people of Midian and Moab. They had caused the children of Israel to commit idolatry and worship false gods. So they brought judgment upon themselves and were not sorry. God gave Israel victory over the Midianites, even though they were outnumbered. Now Moses has met the army outside of the camp and discussed what should be done to the women and children captured in the war. We join Pastor Will in Numbers chapter 31, verse 17. Justice must be served for the protection of the innocent. And these women were guilty of a lot of deaths. God had to deal with them. These women were guilty of cooperating in a plot to destroy Israel. So Moses does not let the strike force go a step further until they finish their job. He says, Now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman that has known man by lying with him. You might be saying, time out, Pastor Will. Okay, I can at least explain or at least understand the execution of the women. But why is he killing the kids? Why are all the male children killed? Can I be frank with you? I don't think I have an answer for you that will fully satisfy you. I don't think I have an answer that will fully satisfy anyone. When we read about this situation, it's meant to be horrifying. It's meant to show us just how horrible sin is. This was a situation that Midian never had to be in, that Midian could have avoided at any stage before this chapter and in this chapter if they chose to repent and follow the Lord. And that being said, though, that I don't think I can fully convince you of anything, I do think there's some things we must consider. Number one, this was a different time and a different place. God forbid, if you were to lose a loved one to someone else, you would want to see justice administered to them. You know, if they were killed in a drunk driving accident or something like that, you would want justice served, but you would not be the one to administer that justice. Our society doesn't work that way. You know, recently we had the whole event with the the doctor who was guilty and the father charged the guy because he wanted just what two minutes alone with him or whatever. And I saw people cheering this. And I'm like, what kind of society do we live in? Is there no rule of law? We just get to exact our own retribution wherever we want. Are we going back to these times? That's not your job to do. It's not his job to do. There is government in charge of that to do that. And in this case, Israel is that government that God is sending to do that different time, different place. You would not be duty bound to kill that person, whether they got off or they got charged with jail or whatever. But see, a child left alive was a boy ingrained with the requirement to avenge his people. And that boy would become a man you'd have to fight someday, no matter how much he was in your society. So they killed him off. 
There's no mention also of remorse or repentance from the Midianites anywhere in this whole circumstance. To leave the male children and their mothers alive would mean to leave the culture of idolatry and sexual immorality alive. And that was far more dangerous than any military engagement Israel might face in the future. Israel's future failure to keep themselves separate from the idolatry of the people around them is what brought about their downfall. Because they didn't do that. And so they had to take care of this. In the end, again, I don't think I can satisfy you, but in the end, this is God's judgment upon a wicked people. Now, the reason you and I have difficulty with that and we don't fully understand it is because we don't fully understand the holiness of God. But may I suggest to you that there was someone here who did? May I suggest to you the one that gave the order had a deeper understanding of the holiness of God than you and I did? What did Moses experience up there on Mount Sinai? Remember? He said, Lord, show me your glory. And God held him in his very hand. He held him in his hand. He placed him in the cleft of the rock and then covered it while his glory passed by and he declared his name. Do you think there's any other person besides Jesus Christ himself who's more qualified to understand the holiness of God? I can't think of anyone. I certainly don't. So here's what's interesting. Moses, who'd been held in the hand of God and had probably the deepest understanding of the holiness of God that any human being could, when I understand God's holiness like he did, I'll understand why Moses commanded what he did. And for that, I know you will, you have to turn to Revelation 15 because it prophesies of the day when you will. Turn to Revelation 15 because this will happen again. Now, I realize that the Left Behind series ensures that like no children are born or something like that. You know, they're all taken immediately to heaven whenever they're born. Well, that's a very fanciful idea and a very kind idea, nice idea because the idea of children experiencing judgment is detestable to our culture. I don't see that in the scriptures anywhere. So I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm not saying it will happen, that that's what will happen. Notice... It explains specifically those who overcame the Antichrist. So these are tribulation saints. And yet we know we're already there. We're there right by the Lord. And so notice whose song they sing when they get there, when the wrath of God is about to be poured out. Let's just read the whole thing, verses one through four. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues. Why are they the last ones? Because in them is filled up the wrath of God. This is all the wrath of God that was poured out upon Christ on the cross, that these folks, because they've rebelled against God, that God sent angels around the earth saying, don't take the mark of the beast. Don't reject Christ. If you do, you're forfeiting heaven. You're choosing hell for all eternity. And they still do it. All that wrath that was poured out on Jesus, now it's going to be poured out upon them. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, and they're standing on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Look whose song they sing. They sing the song of who? Moses, the servant of God. And the song of the lambs. So this is a song we know too. Saying, what? Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Here it is. Just and true are your ways, thou king of saints. What you don't understand now that Moses understood then and why he gave this commandment, you will understand someday because you'll be declaring that. Just and true are your ways, O king of saints. You are not unrighteous, God, to do this. You are just to give this judgment to them. You will understand someday. Someday I will sing the song of Moses to testify to the rightness of God's judgment when he brings it again upon the world in the tribulation period. So what do we do now? Until the day we fully understand his holiness, by faith, I must trust that the Lord of the earth does right because he knows what's right better than I do. And yet, even in such heavy judgment, we still will see the Lord's mercy. Look back in Numbers 31, verse 18. And I love this word. There's so many times you see in the scripture, it's a three-letter word, but, but. All the women children that have not known a man by lying with him, keep them alive for yourselves. 
they can be your servants. Even in judgment, even in wrath, God remembers mercy for these girls that they know didn't take part in the whole idolatry, sexual morality, trying to get Israel in trouble. They are not judged. They are shown mercy. They are spared. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, slavery is mercy, Will? How is that? Can I ask you a question? Would you rather them starve in the desert? Or would you rather them become slaves to a wicked society when they come around and pick them up because they can't take care of themselves? These would become servants who could marry into Israel and have a chance at a good life someday. This is a mercy, a great mercy. And while God's judgment is heavy, it is never out of control. It is never thoughtless. It is measured and decisive, and it is only done when no other recourse is necessary. Moses only brings judgment upon those it was necessary to bring it upon. We get to verse 19. And there is another reason, most likely the main reason, why Moses and the leaders initially met them outside the camp, because the soldiers had become unclean by being involved in battle and their proximity to the corpses. Verse 19 says, and do you abide? It's not a question. It means you need to do this. You need to abide to remain or make camp outside the camp for seven days. And who does this apply to? Whosoever has killed any person and whosoever has touched any slain. You have to stay outside the camp, purify both yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. And purify all your clothing and all that is made of skins and all work of goats hair and all things made of wood. So anything you brought, it has to be purified because it's been tainted by the proximity to a dead body. You know, even though the Israelites' war against the Midianites was righteous and done at the command of God, death is the result of sin and nothing like that can come near to God. So they would have to go through these rituals of purification. Now, The rituals for purification, including, we'll read in a moment, the water of separation, washing of the clothes and stuff like that, they're all covered in Leviticus 15 and Numbers 19, so I'm not going to go over them again. So if you want to read those chapters in your own time to kind of refresh your memory, I encourage you to do so. When we read here, it follows those instructions exactly. And it's good to see Israel following God's instructions, even though it was laborious. I mean, I'm sure these soldiers, all they want to do is get home, see their families and celebrate God's victory, but they had to stay outside the camp for seven days and go through all these washings. And I think that's a good lesson for us because some of God's commands won't make sense to us. Be like, really? We went out and fought a war for you, you know, and now we got to wait outside for another week? Sometimes God's commands will send us on the longer route to our destination or make us wait longer for something. You know, sometimes God's commands or God's ways, God's principles will make us do difficult things, but they're the right things. And I want to challenge you, don't skip or ignore those right things because they don't make sense to you just yet. Israel had never sent out a strike force before and returned with plunder. So God sends Eliezer, the high priest, out with some instructions for that. So Eliezer, the priest, said unto the men of war, verse 21, which went to the battle, this is the ordinance. This is a new law. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, the tin, and the lead. So all metals. Everything that may abide the fire, you shall make it go through the fire, and that will make it clean. Nevertheless, you still have to use the purifying water. It shall be purified with the water of separation. And all that does not abide the fire, like clothing, you know, it will burn up if you put it in the fire. It says you just will make it go through the water. And you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day, and then you'll be clean ritually, not physically, but ritually. And then afterward, you can come back into the camp and participate in all the things that go on in the camp. So for metal objects, you had to put it through the fire to purify it. Everything else, though, you just washed it like normal. Again, none of these rituals altered the physical state of a person aside from, or this object, maybe it made the the metal cleaner, but it didn't do anything to make it special. It was their obedience to God, which stemmed from their trust in God that changed their standing before God. 
And that's the most important cleaning you and I need. You could scrub the outside really hard, make the outside of your life look really spiritual and really good, but if the Lord doesn't cleanse you from the inside, then you know, you're not gonna experience change, not real change, not the one we need. Now, once this week of ritual cleaning went by, Moses now has to figure out what to do with all the stuff they'd brought back. So verse 25, and the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, take the sum of the prey that was taken, both of man and of beast, you and Eleazar the priest and all the chief fathers of the congregation. There was gonna be a lot to count. They need a lot of these leaders to count it. And I want you to divide the prey into two parts. The first part is between them that took the war upon them, the soldiers who went out to fight, who went out to battle, and the other part would be between all the congregation. So here we see that Moses' first job was to divide the spoils into half. Now you might be saying, why wouldn't the people that went out to fight get all of it? Only 12,000 men were chosen for this battle. I'm sure others wanted to go. I'm sure others were maybe lost loved ones from the plague that came, the judgment that came upon them. I'm sure there were others that wanted to be God's instrument of vengeance. They shouldn't be punished because they were chosen to stay and guard the camp, which is a great lesson for you and me. Sometimes God picks me to be on the front lines, and sometimes he picks others. That's just how it is. Either way, wherever God puts me, he's looking for faithfulness, and God always rewards faithfulness. So half the spoils went to those that fought and half to those that stayed behind. From each half, a percentage was to be given to the Lord, verse 28. And I want you, Moses, he says, to levy a tribute. The word there means to raise dues to support the priests. I want you to take from there, raise money from there to support the ministry of the priests unto the Lord, is levy a tribute unto the Lord from the men of war which went out, and here's what it'll be. One soul of 500, both of the persons and of, I love the King James says, the beeves. That's not the nickname for the leave it to beaver kid. The beeves is just the, uh, the cattle, people of the cattle, of the donkeys, and of the sheep. Take it of their half and give it unto Eliezer the priest for a heave offering to the Lord. So the idea is all a heave offering member was symbolizing everything belonged to the Lord, but we're just giving him this portion to show him that we know that. So this would be a portion to recognize, Lord, all the plunder belongs to you, but we're going to give you this portion to show you that we know that. It's not ours just to take and do what we want with. So one out of, what does it say, uh, 500? So one out of 500 would go to the Lord, the rest would go to the soldiers. What about the rest of Israel's half? Well, they had to give more because they weren't the ones who risked their lives, verse 30. It says, and of the children of Israel's half, you should take one portion, not out of 500, but out of 50, of the persons, of the cattle, of the donkeys, of the flocks, and of all manner of beasts, and give them unto the Levites, which keep the, uh, the charge of the tabernacle of the Lord. So 10 times more are given to the Lord from the congregation who didn't go out to fight. And I love it here. It says, as the Lord commanded them. Verse 31, and Moses and Eliezer the priest did as the Lord commanded Moses. And I love this because this generation seems to be really trying to do things the right way, even though, as we saw earlier, they failed. They fail sometimes, but that needs to be my heart. That song we sing, it's one of my favorite hymns, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And why would I do that? I love him. Why would I do that? Well, that's just how I am. I miss the boat sometimes. So, the idea is, though, is are you trying to please the Lord? Is that your heart? Is that my desire? Is that, Lord, I read your word. I want to do what it says. That needs to be our heart. So what was the total amount of the plunder? Well, verse 32. And the booty, and that's, uh, now that's a word that we usually associate more with like pirates of the Caribbean. But the phrase here was, this is an old English term, uh, just referring to the spoils of war. And the, the spoils of war being the rest of the prey, which the men of war had caught. And here was the total, 
600,000 and 70,000, uh, 600,000 and 70,000 and 5,000 sheep. That's 657,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep, which gives us an indication of how large the Midianite army was. I can't even fathom that many sheep. I've got a bunny and I don't want any more. And three score and 12,000 of the beeves, 72,000 cattle. And three score and 1,000 donkeys. So 61,000 donkeys and 30 and 2,000 persons of women that had not known man by lying with them. That's 32,000 little girls. That's a very small age group of people. Can you imagine how large that army was? Can you imagine how many Midianites were killed? Since they killed all the males, which means they all came out to fight. Now, verse 36, this is, can be laborious to read, but it's basically just telling us, so how much of the soldiers' portions uh, did they give to the Lord? It says, and the half, which was the portion of them that went out to war, was in number 300,000 and seven and 30,000 and 500 sheep. And the Lord's tribute of the sheep was 603 score and 15. And cattle was 30 and 6,000, of which the Lord's tribute was three score and 12. Donkeys were 30,000 and 500, of which the Lord's tribute was three score and one, 61. And of the persons were 16,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 32 persons. So that's for the soldiers. And Moses gave the tribute, which was the Lord's heave offering unto Eleazar the priest, as the Lord commanded Moses. I hope they had some big storage rooms. I don't know where they put all this stuff. Verse 42, and of the children of Israel's half, which Moses divided from the men that warred. So now this is the group that stayed behind of their portion, what the Lord got. Now the half that pertained to the congregation was 300,000 and 30,000 and 7,000 and 500 sheep, 30 and 6,000 beeves and 30,000 donkeys and 500 and 16,000 persons. Even of the children of Israel's half, Moses took one portion of 50. He doesn't list all of it here. Even Moses like, I'm not writing it all down. Both of men and of beast given unto the Levites, which kept the charge of the tabernacle of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, again, if you just do a casual reading of that, you think, oh, God, I don't want to read any more numbers. But these numbers are important because Israel's military strike force was only 12,000. Even if each of these girls only represented one family, that means Israel was still outnumbered 2.5 to 1. Most scholars have suggested that the Midianite army was well over 100,000 men, and yet God gave Israel the victory. And yet, there's something even more amazing, and these last few verses tell us that story. The Midianites didn't kill a single Israeli soldier. Look at verse 48. And the officers, which were over thousands of the hosts, the captains of thousands, and the captains of the hundreds, they drew near to Moses. So after he's done separating all the spoils and all that's done and they're organizing everything, these guys come to Moses, all the leaders that went on the strike force, all the commanding officers, they came to Moses and they said unto him, your servants have taken the sum. We've counted the men of war which are under our charge and there lacks not one man of us. They come to him in awe and they're like, we didn't lose a single soldier. Therefore, they said to Moses, we have brought, and King James says ablation, it just means an offering. We have brought an offering for the Lord. What every man has gotten of all the, the spoils that you just divided up to us, we want to give some of it back to the Lord. You might be thinking, well, the Lord already got his portion. But these guys, they're just so in awe and thankful for what God did and supernaturally protecting them that they brought jewels and gold and chains and bracelets and rings and earrings and tablets. That wasn't iPads, that's a different type of tablets. To make an atonement for our souls before the Lord. Now, you might be saying, atonement? Pastor, well, I've been paying attention in, in Leviticus and Numbers and Exodus, atonements for sin. What did they do wrong that they had to bring an offering to the Lord? Well, I don't know about you, 
But sometimes God is so good to me that it gives me a greater awareness of how far I am from deserving such goodness. Have you ever had one of those moments where like you've not had a good day, you're at your worst and the Lord just blesses you? I mean, there's been times when God's done that. I've been in the car, yucky attitude and bad day, bad dad, bad pastor, you name it. And the Lord just drops a huge blessing in my lap. I'm overwhelmed. I just, I have to pull off because I just want to just weep. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that for me? I, this is the day, worst day in the world. I, I'm so far away from deserving anything good. Sometimes he's just so good. You don't even know what to say. There's nothing you could do to repay that goodness, even if you gave your life 10 times more faithful than you had before. And you know what? I think that's what happened to these men. Could you imagine what it'd be like to fight in a battle where God is supernaturally causing swords or spears not to pierce your armor? And then what about when you got back to camp and everybody had a story like that? You realize just how small you are and just how little depends upon you. You know, David understood that feeling when he said, you know, and I look and consider the heavens, the works of your hands. I think of how much you love me and how good you are to me. I say, what is man that you are mindful of? Why would you even think of me? And yet you're good to me. Whether it's in judgment or mercy, like here, God shows that he's way bigger than you and me. And seeing that should bring about a bit of humility, an awareness of your need for just general forgiveness. Remember at the end of Job when the Lord finally confronts him and what is, I love Job's response. He doesn't repent of anything in particular. He just says, Lord, I repent of myself. I repent of just being me. Being me is a big enough problem. I just repent of being me because Lord, I'm not you. I'm not good like you. I mess things up. I don't understand them. I don't react the right way. I don't do the right thing all the time. And you always do the right thing. And here you are blessing me. That should bring about a bit of humility. And that's, I feel like, what these men show here. Numbers chapter 31 can be a chapter which causes our pride to rise up and think we know better than God what should be done, wiping out the people of Midian and their women and their children and all that. But may I simply say to you tonight that God doesn't owe us anything, not even an explanation, And may I also remind you of all the good things God did, not just for you, but for everyone in this chapter. God gave the Midianites life. Despite their idolatry in their country, despite all the immorality in their country, despite all the things they would do to those little boys in that country, he left them out of Canaan's judgment because they were related to Abraham. God offered them the friendship of Israel, but they spurned that. And they rebelled against God and sought to take Israel down by stumbling them into the very same idolatry that was corrupting their nation. Can I ask you how you would react as a loving parent trying to protect your child from destruction? I think the great judge of all the earth, the one who sent his son to die for everyone, deserves a bit of respect rather than a pride-filled accusation. Moses is deeply touched by these guys' offering. And so with it, he sets up a reminder for Israel to stay humble before the Lord. It says in Moses and Eliezer, verse 51, the priest, they took the gold from them, even all the jewels that were made, and all the gold of the offering that they offered up to the Lord from the captains of thousands and captains of the hundreds. And it was 16,750 shekels. That's about 420 pounds worth of jewelry, a huge gift of gratitude. For the men of war had taken spoil, every man for himself. Verse 54. And Moses and Eliezer, the priests, they took the gold from the captains of the thousands and the hundreds, and they brought it into the tabernacle of the congregation. Why? For a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. A memorial is a place or an object that is there to remind you of something. I have things in my house and you know, things in my life that remind me of things. These are, these are my memorials. This reminds me of my marriage. This was given to me in my, was our 10-year anniversary? It's very special to me. 
you know, I was always breaking watches, and so my wife finally got me, a, not finally, but she got me a nice one. I would always get myself cruddy watches because I knew I broke them, and she got me a nice one. This is a memorial she got me because of something that God spoke into my life at one point that was very important to me. You know, I wore this little rubber bracelet that had this phrase on it, and she got this for me so it would be more permanent. I have memorials. I know you probably have memorials in your life that every time they saw it, We don't know what Moses did with it. Some suggest Moses melted something, the metal down, and made something with it. I don't know. We don't know what he did, but every time Israel looked on it, they were reminded to be grateful and to be humble. And I would ask you in closing tonight, are you grateful and humble when it concerns God's word or God's commands or God's character? I think if you start there, even though this is a difficult passage, I think you'll come to the right conclusion. Let's all stand. Lord, we confess that we are, like these guys, very much humbled by the grace and mercy you've shown to us. We confess, Lord, that we are not all-knowing, and we are not all-holy like you are. We are being conformed to the image of your Son, and we will be in that process till the day you call us home. And Lord, in that day, as we see you in all your glory, we see you in all your holiness, Lord, we confess now by faith that we will understand these things much better. But we choose now to trust you, to trust that the Lord of all the earth, like Abraham said, surely the Lord of all the earth would do right. We trust those, just like Abraham did, we trust you, that you don't make mistakes, that you are perfect. And we humble ourselves before you and we say thank you for the great grace you've shown us. Give us courage and boldness, Lord, to extend that grace to others and to share it with others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God is a holy God far above what we can comprehend, far more than we can understand. God uses his judgment and mercy for the good of those that love him. He was patient with the Midianites and the Moabites, but they would not repent. God gives all people space and time to repent, but if we will not move, God's judgment will come upon us, whether in this life or the next. God doesn't want to judge us. There is freedom from the power and penalty of sin if we would just repent and turn to God, if we would worship and submit to Him on His terms. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.